have faith, believe, you hear, and we're, yeah, we just, we worship him regardless. My, when I w- lived in New York, David always said, whether you feel like it or whether you don't, we worship. Whether you feel like it, whether you don't, you obey. Whether you feel, so it's like, whether we feel tangibly his presence or not is not the case. We love to, but we know he's here and he's worthy. But how sweet are the moments when we, exactly, beautiful. Speaks to us personally in a corporate setting, and that also bringing the unity. I loved Dave's words. I remember from last week when he was talking about unity and love for one another and and praying for one another. Did did we pray for each other this week? Did you remember? Yeah. Good, because we and keep that up. You know, we're praying for each other, strengthening throughout the week, and I think each have better weeks when you're feeling like, oh, this was a pretty good week. I'm pretty sure it's probably because we were praying for one another and and holding each other up, covering each other in prayer. So such an important thing. And and then if you get something, you know, like on the week, go right over to Thurley and during worship. I love that. That stirs me up when we start to use our gifts. When Jay got up and started to speak, like that should be happening. We should be able to function and flow like that as a body and encourage one another, you know, and it's beautiful and allows the spirit to do what he wants to do, you know, through each one of us. Yeah. We get that unction from the spirit, the unction from God and and release it. So we've been talking for weeks and weeks and weeks about Nehemiah and principles of rebuilding. And we're in a stage of rebuilding. Super cool. Um, Jim and Shirley were not here, but so I want to share this again. But this morning when Tommy and I came over, there was a big snapping turtle in the, the yard. And um, so we went over to it, and we took pictures. And we didn't know it was a snapping turtle at first because we didn't know how to tell the difference. But then Jay and Marie came and said it was a snapping turtle. They're all talking about it. Then Ann came. We're talking about it. And then we go to look, go in because she didn't see it, completely gone. We're like, how did he move so fast? Where did he go? And so they're looking outside for him and um, couldn't find him. And I, I, when I, when we saw it, I thought I got to look up what snapping turtles mean, you know, symbolize. And I thought this was a really timely word from God for us today. Um, and it says, "Snapping turtle is symbolic of a particular journey." that has come to its final end. And it requests that you now leap beyond previous limitations. And it's going to be rarely ordinary or mundane. And so I read that and I thought, wow, how symbolic, even with the things that God's been speaking to us about a new season, we're here, we're rebuilding, we're working hard, just like in Nehemiah, we're focusing on the two things right now. Do you remember what we've been focusing on? Rebuilding community and prayer. Yeah, yeah, the church is kind of like the whole picture of what we're looking at, What are and that's what we talked about at first. What is the church? What are we looking like? And um, when Nehemiah comes onto the scene where he sees this situation, 
where he's like, all right, time to rebuild. I'm coming here, it's strategy. We're going to look what needs to be rebuilt. I'm going to muster up the troops. Faith, prayer. You gain that faith through prayer, right? You're, you're praying and God fills you with this confidence of like, nope, that old season is gone. It is a new season, and now we are moving forward with this strength. Is it hard? Is there opposition? Yeah. We have opposition from within, fear, our own fears, our own doubt, our own unbelief, and that's normal. It's not saying, like, just don't have that. It's saying when you feel it, confront it. You know, it's normal to have fear. Oh, I have fear that we're not going to have enough finances this week. Well, I'm going to confront that by saying, ha, 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 I'm throwing 10 bucks into this thing to say to all spiritual realms, my God is my Father, and he provides for me. You know, if you confront that fear, and I shared a bunch of personal stories in my own life of confronting that fear. The fear's okay. Confront it by faith. The doubt, normal to come. You confront it by saying, no, I'm stepping out in faith that this is what God is saying. So this snapping turtle for us today is saying that old season, its final ending has come. It just randomly showed up on our lawn today. And this new season, it requires, this is what it said, requires that we leap beyond previous limitations. So we're going to new places, new heights, new depths, and that's what faith is. You say, oh, it doesn't matter what it looks like. We are soaring in this season. We are going to build and rebuild to what to better and beyond what we've ever been before as a community. And that's like an exciting place. It's a place where we can dream with God, have vision with God, and say, whoa, <laughs> our God is so big. And it says, then it will not be ordinary or mundane, supernatural, signs and wonders happening, super cool stuff. Like that's, that's stuff to look forward to. I was thinking just uh, the other morning I was spending some time with the Lord. And so Jay and Marie, we know they have a pool. And we know that last spring that pool had a problem happen, right? And a very sad thing. The water gets pushed out. And I don't know if you uh, saw it before or after or anything. But there it, was a, it was a pretty big deal. And so we didn't know much about it. We heard that they were working on... Um, What's it called? I always forget. D doing the sand. Sifting. Sifting the rocks out of the sand. And so we said, oh, why don't we go and help for a day so that we can get this going for them? You know, many hands make light work. So Tommy and I go over, and then we look at the pool, and we're like, oh, my gosh. This is like the some this. Okay, so it really did get destroyed. You know, it's uneven, it's not on the track, and we're like, oh, man. Okay, let's assess the situation. I, I thought this was amazing how similar it was to Nehemiah, you know, in a very practical way. We're assessing the pool situation. We're looking at all the walls. We're walking around the wall, and you're just thinking, how in the world? are? It's a big pool. The walls are heavy. The water had flushed out a bunch of the sand and ground so it was down you got to build up put things up it's hard work and so we're like geez so we're like okay let, let's start on this one area and then see where it goes this is the strategy we're going to take this off we have the four of us helping marie sitting us like cold cloth because it was so hot out and um 
you just start going. And sometimes you have to look at a situation that looks like, oh, this looks impossible. I mean, Marie even said some things that we probably all were thinking, maybe we should just start from scratch. You know, wipe the whole thing down and then start again. And then Jay's like, no, please, do you remember how difficult it was to put the walls up? No, let's try. <laughs> let's try this. But it's the same for Nehemiah. Did he go in and say, no, we're going to wipe the whole thing out and start from scratch? No. He assessed the broken down areas and then set people to start working on those broken down areas to rebuild it stronger, stronger, right? And so that's what we end up doing. We start going. It's tough. Things are bent, and we have to, un you know, it, it was not an easy situation, but we're all there having a good time together, having fun. It wasn't, like, stressful or anything. We're having fun. And we start to do section by section by section. A few hours into it, we stand back and get that last little piece hooked in, and you look at it, and you say, how in the world did we just do that? I, I literally still do that. I was explaining it to my mom. Yeah, you just look at it, and you're like, wait a second. Did, they, did we just even out? Like, that looked, we should have done a picture before and after. You know, how do you do that? And, and it's because we do things by the grace of God, even in the natural. I think that was just like God helping us to put that pool back together because he cares. He cares about what concerns us. That's what the Bible says. But what a picture of this Nehemiah thing that we're talking about. You walk into this situation that's like, uh, I'm kind of doubting that we're the four of us alone are going to be able to do this. I think we need about a team of 10 men to try to do this thing. How are we going to do this? You walk in, it kind of looks impossible, but you say, you know what? We're going to confront our unbelief. We're confronting our doubt, and we're saying, no, we believe. We're just going to start and see how we can do this. We start digging, and it takes work. It took work. Jay was on his, you know, laying on his belly, like digging and holding up, and Tommy's on the ground and holding up the, the wall, and it's heavy. And, not, you know, we're all taking part in it. We're all sweating and all this stuff. But the hard work paid off. And just a small group of people did something that probably, I told my mom about it because we grew up with a big pool the same size above ground. And she said, how? She's like, that's impossible. I, she's like, I almost don't believe that four of you guys did that. And I said, I know, Mom. It was a miracle. It was our first community miracle <laughs> was putting together <laughs> this pool. We should post it somewhere on Facebook and say, miracles are are happening at the Crossing Life Church in Carmel. But it is this thing of a small group of people did an impossible work with the grace of God. We worked together. We worked hard. And then it accomplished it, what we needed to, to do for the day. And that it was such a picture to me of this. We've been talking about Hebrews 12. Remember, running the race, setting your eyes on the goal. You're laying aside everything that distracts to go towards this goal. I remember, and I'm like extreme. I'm kind of like, yes, I'm just an extreme person in general. But uh, <laughs> on the on the day that we're doing that, you know, we take a little break. And I'm like, I did not want to take a break. If I'm being honest, I was like, I just want to keep going until this thing is finished, until I see the, the finished product. And But then I have to realize that, you know, we got to get water and 
take a break. And some people were doing harder work than I was doing, so we needed to rest their muscles. Jenny and Tommy, <laughs> who were holding up the walls and everything. <laughs> um, but so you know, but the, the fact is, we look at the goal and we say, "I'm going after that," and I'm laying aside every other thing to get to this point until it is finished, until we have finished what God has told us to finish. And I, you know, we've talked as a community. What does healthy community look like? If we're rebuilding community. What are some of the things that you say, you walk in and you say, oh, this, this group's healthy? Do you have anything in mind that you'd say, like, or even a healthy family, if that's easier, whether it's a church or f- individual family, you walk in and say, wow, this family's really like a healthy family. They're not dysfunctional. What would be some of the things that you, that you would notice that would say that to you? Unity. So what would that look like practically? Love. What would love look like practically? Caring. Caring. So what would that look? There we go. Caring. So unity, love, caring. What did that look like? Marie putting a washcloth, cold washcloth on us. You know, it's showing us. So what else would say? Oh, they are a healthy community. Working together. That's a huge one, right? You walk in and people are working together. You're like, wow, they've. They have relationship. They like each other so much so that they're working together, getting along. Right, exactly. There's not just one person saying, you do this, you do that. It's everyone working together all for the same purpose and goal, kind of collaborating together. That's huge. You say, wow, that is healthy, right? Anything else? Respect. That's a huge one honoring, respecting one another, where you see, you know, say someone has a decision, they say, oh, I think we should do this, and everybody respects that decision, says, yeah, let's let's do that. And you're like, wow, are they really working together? They're respecting one another. How else would respect look? What are some examples of respecting? Recognizing each other's abilities. That's a huge one, respecting Honoring the gifting and the ability that we each have. Huge. That would say healthy community, right? Not just one person doing the whole thing, running the show, but everybody having a part. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, awesome. Yeah, exactly. Working together. So those are huge Healthy communities. One thing for me, too, would be fun. You know, I, I love a good time. I love to laugh. I think when you walk into a community that is laughing together, it shows something about their relationship. You're relaxed. You're enjoying each other. You're having fun. When I see a family that laughs together, it's the opposite of having fighting. You know what I mean? Where, like, you walk into a family and they're like, arguing all the time and very dysfunctional and you're like oh there's so much tension but then you walk into a home and you're all laughing and relaxed and you're just like oh (sighs) no tension in the air right that to me would be something also so that's something we're rebuilding here community 
And I, I think you guys had a healthy community before, it seems, to a certain degree. You know, as far as relationships go, you were serving together. You had work nights here. You know, you, you go to each other's houses. And I'm not saying that there wasn't healthy community, but there was something where at some point something happened that diminished it, right? So whether that's opposition from without, opposition from within, something happened. And so we've got to get to a place where we're re rebuilding this place so that there's no open door for offense, no open doors for lies or deception or sin, right? We're going to close all those doors, healthy community, and start rebuilding it so we're tight. The word says that a three-chord strand is not easily broken, right? You're strong together, that unity, that community. So what are some of the ways? I'm very practical because for me, when I hear a message, I'm like, I'm going to be responsible before the Lord for hearing this message. How do I need to practically live it out, right? What am I doing? What are we doing? Oh, uh, another one I had on here for healthy community, actually, is, um, did anyone else have any first before I said we could think of? You kind of all said things that I thought. Resolving conflict well, right? That's a huge. When you walk into a family, they have conflict. Conflict's healthy. That's good. It's not healthy when it just ends in offense and bitterness. It's healthy when the conflict ends well. Yeah, you learn how to fight in love, <laughs> in love, where it's not me attacking you. It's us trying to understand each other better and grow in love for with one another. So conflict, I disagree with you, no problem. That's not a problem, should never be a problem. It's saying how do we discuss it in such a way that we can grow, learn from one another, and then either be okay to disagree or come to a place of agreement. You know, humility is another thing huge one. I said also outreach to community. When you're a healthy family, you're going to be reaching out. That's going to be a kind of like the fruit of a healthy family. It's going to be attractive to other people. My family growing up, we definitely had difficulties. My dad left our family when I was eight years old. And so there was definitely some hardship within that, 12 kids, etc. But I hear so many stories from when my you know, there were 12 of us, but I was too young to kind of remember some of the things. When my dad was still in the home, we had a very, what seemed to be very healthy family, attractive to other kids. Other kids from church always wanted to be at our house because it was a safe place. There was a lot of fun. There was security. There was structure. You know, kids do really well in structure. And so there was fun happening, but yet in a safe structure, good parents. It attracts other people. That's the type of outreach, you know, community. When you're in a dysfunctional home and then you see a, a home that's like, wow, they actually enjoy each other and have fun and it's good. It's saying, I, I don't want to be at my house as much. I want to be there, <laughs> you know. And so s people outside the family of God that are in this dysfunction family that's outside the family of God, they should look at the family of God, the church, and say, I want to be part of that family. I don't want to be at my house. I want to be at that house with them because it's fellowship. They're having fun together. They're enjoying each other. They respect one another. Each person plays a part. It's enjoyable, right? So we need to work at that. 
And well, how do we work at that? We, we need opportunity for it. Where we hear that Jay and Marie have a problem with their pool and we say, we want to go over and help with that. Jim and Shirley have come over here. Jim did some gardening work here. That is like hard work here at the church. He's coming over and serving. That shows a love for um, stewarding what God has given us, a love for this property and our community. You know, these are the types of things where we see opportunity to serve, to serve one another, where I say, oh, wow, I heard you had an issue. How can I help? What can we do to help? Holding each other up. And then what does a praying church look like? This is the second thing we've been hammering in on, community and prayer. So when you say, what, I mean, what, what would a praying church look like? How would you know? If a church is a praying church. But what, what would you say a praying church looks like then? So a praying church looks like a church that's committed. Yeah, what, well, what's the fruit of it? But I'm saying like, okay, let me give you an example of what I'm thinking here, right? Just so you get an idea. So I go to, to Haiti, and you guys know I have a huge heart for Haiti. Well, the church in ha of Haiti nationwide is a praying church. Why do I say that? Every morning, practically to every church in Haiti, five, six days a week, they open their doors at 5 a.m. Pastors, leaders, members of the church are there praying for an hour. 5 a.m. every day. That's commitment. They believe in the power of prayer so much so that they are <laughs> opening their doors 5 a.m. every day, and people from all over the nation are gathering at their churches to pray for their nation. I'm like, man, I know there's a lot of messed up things in the church in Haiti, tradition, religion, things, but they got one thing really good. <laughs> they have got this commitment to prayer, and they're doing it in their homes, too. When these guys get in their homes, like Jim's saying, if no matter where you are, if you do it in your home, if you're just doing it in the church and never in your home, there's some hypocrisy. But if you've got home, church, community, where we come together on Sundays, we pray together. We're asking God. We're waiting. We're listening. You get together with some of these Haitian guys, even in their homes, and they start to pray, and you're like, whew, they talk with God. There's power. 
they believe in the power of prayer. You can sense it when they begin to pray because there's faith, there's belief, and then there's action. So when I think of what does a praying church look like, I'm thinking a church that has prayer throughout the week, a church that prays on Sunday mornings together as a corporate body as well, and then there's fruit of that prayer where they're, they're being the answer to their prayers. There's power. There's you can feel the conviction when they pray. They begin to pray, and you're like, they believe that God can do anything by the way, the things that they're asking. This, this community is asking for, for God to give them their whole region or their whole community salvation for the whole community. They must believe God is pretty big. And they're not only just praying about it, they're reaching out to the community in faith that God's going to use them to reach it. To me, that speaks, wow, praying, healthy church. Praying, healthy church. And that's why we, w we understand that not everybody can come. It's not about necessarily, like, who's there, who's not there. It's not about that. It's saying we want to provide opportunities where we are together and all can all be together. So Sunday morning, we're typically all here. That's why we highlight praying for one another or having prayer times at the end or where we all pray together because there's something about cultivating that prayer where we are all in one place and then offering opportunities throughout the week to come out and pray. Saying we're here, we're going to do it. If you're able, come out, right? But the purpose is that we're saying we we think prayer is essential all through the book of Nehemiah. What have we been seeing? Every time there was opposition, every time there was confusion, every time there was someone speaking out against them, they he said, "Oh God." And all the people of Israel would say, oh, God, remember us. Help us, your people. They went straight to prayer when they needed provision, when they needed favor, when they needed help. They didn't do anything in their own strength. You don't see them immediately going to their own. What can we do to do this? No, they immediately. First, it's like the verse after every opposition. They say, and then Nehemiah prayed. And then the Israelites cried out to God. Because it's such a crucial, vital piece to what we're doing here as a body. There's one last thing I want to share. This was more of a review today because we did have two weeks that were Dave came and shared, and then Tommy had shared on Father's Day a um, couple different messages. So I did want to review some before we move forward because there's so much more in Nehemiah that I think we're going to gain from and kind of get more insight into where we're going, right? Because Hebrews 12, we need to know the goal. Where are we going as a church? What are we doing? What's the purpose God has given to us? There are, um, I don't know if you remember, on Mother's Day I was talking about moms, spiritual moms, physical moms, right? And I shared a story about my mom, how she had so many opportunities to just leave, right? When my dad left the family, she was left with 12 kids by herself. Right. Crazy. And um, she had a lot of opportunities. And I, I shared a story about what literally happened where she got so overwhelmed because of all what was happening. And I had brothers that were on the streets breaking in, stealing money, like kind of things were seemingly in the natural just falling apart little by little. And I can't imagine being the single mom in that type of 
situation. The father's just left, and all the kids are now just angry. And so they're all expressing it, angry and hurt, and expressing that anger and hurt in a bunch of different ways. Anyway, so she gets to a point where she says, I can't take it. I need to leave. I'm taking the youngest, Kendall, and I'm going to Maine. That's where my grandmother's from. That's where my mom grew up. So she said, I'm taking Kendall, the baby, and we're leaving to Maine. We had to call the pastor over. He came over, and we had, like, a family intervention. And my mom ended up staying, obviously. And she had made that decision. I'm staying. I can't leave my kids. I can't leave my kids no matter how hard it is, no matter how unfair I think it is, no matter how lonely it gets. I can't leave them, right? Well, so my mom listened to the message I told her. I said, Mom, I shared some stories about you. Listen back and make sure they're all accurate. You know, I'm a, you know, I was growing up in the States, so I want to make sure I told them right. And so she listened to the message, and she said, yeah, and I remember this dream I had. And I, I wanted to share this dream as well, because for some reason, I believe Holy Spirit brought it to mind today to share. So my mom was telling me this uh, when I went home after Mother's Day. She had said, I, I also had this dream. She said, me and your dad were married at the time. We had about six or seven kids. So when they had seven kids, when they had eight kids, the oldest was seven years old, right? So it went seven, six, five, four, three, two, one, baby eight kids and they were in the dream she said one night she was having this dream and she in the dream she was at her mom's house which is in Whitefield Maine and my grandmother lived on a farm she had a uh, dairy farm so they had tons of animals big farm whatever and my mom was there and all the kids were there my dad was there and she said in the dream she was inside the house and she had all these eight kids around her and they were saying, mama, 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 you know, like, I need you, this, that, like little kids do. Even if you have one kid, the mamas can, or the daddies can drive you crazy because they're just nonstop, mama, 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 yes, and they have nothing to say. Mama, 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 and then <laughs> ask again. Anyway, in the dream, this is happening. So she looks out the window, and she sees my dad, and he's just leaning back up against the car with some friends drinking a soda. So she calls out to him and says, Rich, can you come help in here? Can you come help me with the kids? And he, d- he just kind of looks over his shoulder. This is a dream. Remember, dream. He looks over his shoulder. He goes, yeah, I'll be there in a minute. Doesn't look like he's leaving, about to come in or anything. He just keeps drinking. And so she is livid and just, oh, my goodness, I – this is unfair. I'm not, I didn't sign up to do this alone. And so she goes into her room and she starts packing her bags and she's sobbing, so angry. And then she'd wake up and she'd wake up sobbing. She woke up sobbing and my dad would be like, because they were together at the time, Amy, what's going on? What's wrong? What's wrong? And she'd say, I'm just like you in a dream. And he would pray over her. He prayed over her. They, she would go back to sleep and she'd be right in the same spot, packing her bags. And she'd be so worked up in the dream, she'd wake herself up, cry. This happened like four or five times. And my dad prayed over every time, and she was praying and every time. So then finally, and she's thinking, I've got to wake up. Like, in real life, I have to wake up, and I have eight kids to actually take care of. Like, I need to get sleep tonight. I can't be up all night. So she's like, Lord, you have got to help me. And she hears the Holy Spirit clear as day say, Marnie, you need to unpack your bags. The dream's not settled. 
when you go back in, unpack your bag. And so she falls back asleep. She's in the same spot. And she knows, I need to unpack. I, this is a calling God has given. And I am wanting to run. But now, what, what was keeping her in such confusion and angst was the fact that she wanted to leave. And God was saying, no, don't leave. You need to stay. And so he said, you won't have peace until you go and you unpack your bag. And I think part of this is what we're looking at of saying, we're all here. We're all committed. And we're saying we're unpacking our bags, which what does that symbolize? A commitment to what God has called us to do. Does it seem hard? Yeah. Eight kids, seven years old and younger. Oof, that's a tough job. You know, or rebuilding community, what that would look like, or rebuilding the walls, it's a tough job. But we're saying no matter how tough it is, no matter how many tears, we recognize that when we fully commit, the peace of God comes over us. Where we fully commit by faith to the work of God, the peace of God is ours, and then we have the strength of God to accomplish what he has sent us out to accomplish. And that's, I, I just, I totally forgot. I was meaning to share that like the week after she sh shared it with me because I was like, that is profound. <laughs> I love that. I want my mom to come up here and just share some stuff with us sometime because she is a, an amazing lady. But um, I, the Holy Spirit reminded me of it this morning. And so I wanted to share it again, just saying it's all, if there's any of this doubt or uh, if the enemy comes with doubt or unbelief or fear of or whatever it may be, I don't know. Let's unpack our bags and say the whole way. I'm expressing my confidence in the will and purposes of God that saying we believe. We believe. God, no matter what it looks like, we believe and we are here to stay no matter what happens. Tommy said the other day, you know, if we were in a conversation with some people and he said, yeah, even if we were the only people here, it wouldn't matter. We have a word from God. We're staying. And I was like, you know what? That is absolutely right. If we showed up every Sunday, it was just me and him. Or if it was just Jane Marie or just Jim and Shirley or just Dan and you show up. And, but you knew God said this was it. Then you're here. We're here. And we're going to push forward and rebuild. And I can feel the strength of it. God has given so much gifting and talent and faith in this small group of people. And then he shows up in all of our weaknesses and then he says, and I'm going to do exceedingly abundantly beyond what you're able to do. And that pool is going to look perfect. Yeah, I can't wait. And then we're all going to jump in and be refreshed, right? So that's the, that's the outcome for us as a body, refreshing refreshing we're going to have this oasis we'll do baptisms yeah baptism sunday over at the pool yeah so good so yeah exactly so why don't we pray to get to today together i i think it would be fun to just pray as an entire group uh just to get that community feel we're going to just pray for um this community for god to give us specifics for rebuilding community and prayer for us individually and for us as a body together right so so that you know i would know what's my part in rebuilding community 
and Jim would know what's his part, and Jay would know what's his part. You know, we would know it together and then be able to commit fully to what God personally, you know, when God speaks something to you, you're like, okay, you know, you can't say no. You're just like, all right, you said it, I'm doing it. At least that's how I am, and I believe that's how we are. Sounds like it. So we're going to just pray to close out. It's a nice, hot, sunny, well, cloudy Sunday.